I'm going to ask Alan to come up. Uh, we have the uh, announcements that he, we've been, well, what it is, we've been talking about Planned Parenthood and their new agenda for the teaching in school. And uh, they're going to be having a meeting with the school board, so Alan's going to share some information about that. All right. Just real quick before uh, we take off to Sunday school, and just so you know, Sunday school's combined this morning, but um, I think it should work all right because we have a, a game that I think works both ways, and hopefully it's good. And I just wanted to um, just say quickly, thank you for praying. I know you've heard little bits about um, some of the the different meetings that we've been having and trying to put together for um, our concerns about some of the Planned Parenthood presentations that we're having for sex education at Fortuna High. Um, over the last few months, um, we've met with uh, the superintendent, and it, it seems like there's been a lot of favor, um, and I think it's just God working um, in the situation. And so um, we've come to a point where on October 13th, um, that's the next school board meeting, um, they've arranged, and this isn't me making phone calls or anything, but this is uh, them, uh, our, our authorities, um, scheduling um, the head of Planned Parenthood is coming from uh, Reading, and they're going to do a roughly a half-hour presentation before the school board. It's going to be open to the public. And then there's an opportunity for us to um, be there, ask questions of Planned Parenthood, and then also to, of course, give public comment. So our hope um, behind all of this is there's, there's obviously a lot of concerns with some of what is being taught. There's also a mandate from our state for certain things that should be taught. Um, so we're going to have an informational meeting and a prayer discussion meeting um, on October 3rd. So the Planned Parenthood meeting is... Uh, with the school board is the 13th. And then so October 3rd, though, here at our church, we're going to open the doors um, from 3 to 5 o'clock. It's a two-hour opening. And in that time, we're going to try to keep it pretty much, you know, no longer than 45 minutes, kind of an informational um, meeting where we talk about the law, talk about what can be worked on, and then after that, open up to some discussion. And what I have out in the foyer here on the table is just a one um, sheet of paper that kind of just gives an idea of like, hey, here's some concern, here's what's happening, and then here's a meeting that people can attend. Now, of course, people going to the Planned Parenthood meeting, um, school board discussion on the uh, 13th um, is specifically for Fortuna High, but we're the body of Christ. We're all a family... Oh, Yeah, so junior high and stuff also. Yeah, so, um, but but our specific um, communication with them was for, for the high school. But what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter if you don't have a child directly at Fortuna High. I mean, we're in this community together. Our concerns are rooted in our beliefs in Christ. Um, and so please continue to pray. Please feel free to come. Please, if you know someone that you think would be interested in this, grab one of the sheets out there. Um, we're going to have it posted on a website and everything uh, or a Facebook 
Um, yeah, so any more questions, just please come ask and stuff like that. So, um, and please keep praying about what, what is going on. Okay? All right, Sunday school. Kids, let's go. have a few other announcements this morning as well. Uh, just a reminder that the daily breads uh, are out there on the counter or on the table out there. And we have an addition to the daily bread and it's a large print daily bread. Now, this one is, is a 90-day introduction edition. They're just getting started with this. So it's not labeled by dates of the, of the, of, of the week or anything, but just number one, two, three, etc. And uh, so feel free to, to pick, uh, pick up one. And if you have somebody that you think might want one, we have extras, so uh, feel free to take them and, and share them with others. And uh, also, coming up, we're getting ready to start our Samaritan Purse uh, shoe boxes. And we have some out in the foyer stacked against the wall there. And inside is the little uh, flyer that goes with it shows you, tells you what kinds of things they need and this type of thing. And uh, so uh, just uh, uh, it's time to get started on that. And it's one of those things where if you, just, if you have the list and you just pick up a couple things when you go shopping, you won't feel it at all and it will be such a blessing to them. So uh, we'll be starting on those. And then uh, the Planned Parenthood meeting Alan took care of. So I think that's it in the way of announcements, unless there's something else I'm missing. Any other announcements? Okay. In our prayer needs this morning, uh, certainly to continue to keep uh, praying for the situation with all of the fires, that uh, we would get more rain, and and uh, that you, you know the break would be uh, such that the firefighters can get a little bit of rest in the process. Uh, and uh, certainly that the fires would be, you know, I, I, I wrote it here on my notes, favorable weather to gain control. And so uh, praying for that and then continue to pray uh, in reference to COVID, that God would break the cycle of the transmission, bring healing to those who have suffered from it, and bring comfort to those who have suffered loss of loved ones in the process. So uh, just keep those things in prayer. And then one more thing to uh, add to our list. Diane Van has been in the hospital the last uh, few days, and uh, today she is being transferred from St. Joe's to a rehab uh, center in Petaluma. And uh, the reason for that is because she needs the, the they can't keep her in the hospital any longer as they're waiting for an open bed in a local uh, place, and so that hasn't happened, so they're sending her clear down to Petaluma. So keep her in prayer because uh, she's looking at it like, well, that's away from everything that I know. <laughs> so uh, just uh, praying for her this morning and, and keep her on your prayer list as well. Any other prayer needs this morning? Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you this morning, we bring our sister Diane to you and ask that you would be with her.
uh, give the doctors wisdom as to, to how to treat uh, her needs. Uh, and Lord, in this rehab uh, in Petaluma, that you would give her a, a person that works with her that will know just what to do to get her strength back. And that she won't have to be there long, but that she'll be able to go home very soon. And we just confidently leave this in your hands and, and ask that you would just uh, take care of her. And for the fires, Lord, we ask for, weather, like, we, like we said, favorable weather to gain control and to put it out, to put them out. And again, Lord, we ask for your protection over uh, our firefighters and those responding to the various needs as a result of the fire. And then, once again, we come to you asking, Lord, that you would break the cycle of the transmission of COVID-19, bring healing, bring comfort to those who have suffered loss, especially those who have lost loved ones. And Lord, give us wisdom, give us, uh, cause us to be prudent about how we respond and uh, that we... we careful as to contributing in a sense uh, to bringing this to an end that we do our part Lord we thank you for your love your grace and now Lord this morning as we open your word we ask that you would open our minds and our hearts in Jesus name amen we uh, have this is our second message in the gospel of John as we're preaching through the Bible in, in a year, as we're doing our reading through the Bible in a year. And so, again, two messages on the Gospel of John hardly does it justice, other than the fact of, of hopefully giving you some information and uh, get, keeping your interest in what we're doing and, and uh, keeping you going on it. What we're going to look at this morning are the uh, I Am statements in the Gospel of John. And it's interesting because if you look at various uh, websites, if you were to go online and say, I am statements in the Gospel of John, you will have the majority of them say the seven I am statements. And you'll see why in a moment uh, that I think that that is slightly off because I believe there are a few more. And uh, we'll go over those this morning. But I'm not going to go over all of them in the sense of detail. I've picked out one, and you'll see it in a moment as to which one it is. Uh, but I am going to mention each one of them for uh, here this morning as we go through it. The seven that are normally referred to are, uh, for lack of better words, you would say metaphorical. They are, are Jesus. Well, you'll see it as I go along. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's a metaphor. I'm the one who sustains you. The bread of life. Bread is, is, to, to, is the thing that they, they need to, to nurture them and to strengthen them. The food of life, if you will. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he goes on and then says uh, in, in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. And in order to fully understand what he's saying there, we almost have to go back to John chapter 1 and the, and the first few years where it says, and the light has come into the world. What it's referring to is he's not the sunlight of the world, but he is the light of, of the consciousness of men. He is the one that opens our minds and, and, and brings 
understanding. He is the light to our thinking and, and the way we do things. I am the light of the world. Uh, in John chapter 7, we, we sang about shepherds and, and stuff this, this morning. He says, I am the door, in referring to the gate that opens up the door to the, for the sheep. He says, I am the door. And uh, it stresses that no one can enter the kingdom of heaven by any other means but Jesus Christ Himself. He says, I am the door. And the way it's put together there is to imply, I am the only door. He goes on in, in John chapter 10 and says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, Jesus portrays His great love and care. He is the one who protects His flock even to the point of death. And when Jesus called Himself the Good Shepherd, He unmistakably took for Himself one of God's titles in the Old Testament. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23.1 I am the resurrection and the life. He says in John chapter 11, Immediately before raising Lazarus from the dead is when he said this. And then he goes and raises Lazarus from the dead and he shows that he indeed has that authority. Uh, but it's, it's further than that. It has to do with the ultimate final resurrection and, 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 and the idea of, of life eternal. He makes a powerful statement in John chapter 14, verse 6, one that we're all familiar with. Uh, but it, there's kind of three parts to it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. We've established that. He's the only way into to heaven. Uh, so he's, it's not among the many ways. He is the only way. Uh, and Jesus also proclaiming that He is the truth. There is no other truth. Think about when He was talking to Pilate. And, and Jesus talks about Himself as the truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? And the way Pilate said that was to imply, there's the, the truth in Greece, there's the truth in Rome, there's the truth in the uh, massive, uh, uh, Mediterranean, there's the truth in Egypt. You know, He says, well, everybody has their truth. What is truth? Jesus says, there is one truth that matters. And it is through Me. I am the truth, the way, and again, the idea of the life, uh, the source of life eternal. I am the true vine. And that's in John chapter 15. It's the final metaphorical statement. Uh, and he says uh, that we are the branches and that He is the vine. And just as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it is joined in vital union with the vine, only those who are joined to Christ and receive their power from Him produce fruit in the Christian life. Now, there are two more statements that I want to refer to in the Gospel of John. They're not metaphors in this case. They're actually declarations of Jesus in reference to God's name as applied to Himself. And one is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they, he, you know, the soldiers as they came in, uh, they, they, uh, uh, Jesus asked whom they sought. Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. 
And Jesus replied, I am He. Now, the He they is added in so that we understand it in the full context, but literally, He said, I am. And you might recall what happened next. They stepped back and they all fell to the ground. It's a neat picture for us to see that as they came into the Garden of Gethsemane with their soldiers and their, their, their torches and, and ready to... to they, who was in charge? Jesus. He had the authority. They couldn't have taken Him if He wasn't willing to go. And so, uh, He's applying this particular phrase, I am, to Himself. And this is what is considered God's covenant name going back to uh, Exodus chapter 3. Now, the other statement, uh, the, the, the last one is actually comes before this. It's in John chapter 8 again. And he says, Before Abraham was born, I am. Again, using this single phrase, I am. And again, this takes us back to Exodus uh, chapter 3. And so, I'm going to focus on this last I am statement that I referred to. Uh, it's found in John chapter 8, verses 48 through 59, and that's where we're going to start this morning. John chapter 8, verse 48. Now, as we go through this, John refers all through the Gospel of John to the Jews not as a people in in, in an overall context, but he's referring to it when he says the Jews, he's referring to the leadership of the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees. And so, uh, this is where we start in verse 48. It says, The Jews answered Jesus, Are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I'd be a liar like you. But I do, not, but I do know Him. And I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And so the Jews said to him, You're not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. 
starts off here, verse 48. The Jews are accusing him of being a Samaritan, that he has a demon. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with the, the, the regions of, of the part of, of the Palestinian area. Samaria was a particular region or area of, of a group of people who when the captivities happened, the Babylonian captivity and the, and the Syrian captivity had happened and they were take, the, so many were taken away, there were people left behind. And then on top of that, there were people brought in from, from other areas uh, to be there. And what happened was those left behind and the people brought in ultimately intermarried. And so you had a, a group of people who uh, were... Uh, for well, I'll just put it intermarried with Gentiles, which was a, a a forbidden thing within the framework of the Jewish law. And generally speaking, they no longer followed the biblical things of God, and they no longer looked at at, at the laws of God as something of their own. So, if you were to call somebody a Samaritan as a slur, which is what they were doing here when they said, you are a Samaritan, you have a demon, what they were basically saying was something like, you're a heretic or you're a pagan idolater. It was a slur. What's interesting is Jesus doesn't acknowledge the insult. In fact... Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan is the hero. Again, something that was would rub the edges of the Jewish leadership. In verse 49, it says, Jesus, you know, we have Jesus' response, I don't have a demon. I honor my father. You, the Jews he's referring to, dishonor me. Now, if you dishonor the son of a father, you are also dishonoring the father. So Jesus is making a statement here. I honor my father, you dishonor me. They would understand what you're saying is that we're dishonoring the father. But then Jesus basically says in verse 50, I'll leave it to the one who judges. In other words, we'll move on from there. And then He says, Truly, truly, if you keep My Word, you're never going to see death. By the way, truly, truly is, is an, a very strong statement. And... Anytime it's used, it's intended to draw our attention to it. Uh, a Hebrew would look at it very quickly and see this is something that he's saying that he has, you know, it's really intense or important to him. By the way, translated in the Greek, truly is actually the word amen. So if you were to go to a Greek lexicon and look up this verse, you would, say, you would see amen, amen. Amen means so be it. So be it, so be it. A double shot at it. If you keep my word, 
You'll never see death. Now, it's interesting. He doesn't say you'll never die. He says you'll never see death. There's something different between dying physically and death in the context of the way Jesus teaches. Death is being separated from God, the consequence of sin. He says, if you keep my word, you will not be separated from the Father. 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 4 says that, that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And that's in, in a sense the same thing here. You know, you won't see death. You're mortal. You won't die. Like in that sense, uh, you, you, you'll be separated from God in, in your death. But you will be with Him. And you'll be joined with Him. You'll be swallowed up by what is life. Now, the Jews understand what he's saying. And so they said, now we know that you have a demon. We're sure of it. You have a demon. It's kind of as if they were saying, wait a minute. You know, Abraham died. The prophets died. Are you greater than Father Abraham? He died. And it's like they're saying here, who do you think you are? It's the way we would phrase it today. Who do you think you are? Abraham died. Are you greater than Abraham? Jesus says, I don't glorify myself. My Father glorifies me. You say, He is our God. And then Jesus goes on, but you have not known Him. But there's something tied into this verse 54. I don't glorify myself. My Father glorifies me. You say He is our God. Implied in that phrase is, why don't you ask God who I am? If He's your God, you say He's your God, and you believe in Him and that you have a relationship with Him, then ask Him who I am. But you have not known Him. In other words, you can ask Him, but you won't understand what He says, you know, because you don't know Him. I know Him. And there's even two different words used for know here. One is used in a common context of you don't have... uh, a sense of, of knowing Him in, in, in relationship. And the other one is, you don't know Him in the sense of intimacy. I know Him in the sense of intimacy. You don't even know Him in the sense of a relationship. It takes us again back to John chapter 1 where Jesus is in the beginning, or John writes, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And, and you know, He came in the flesh, verse 14, and then He reveals who God is according to verse 18. You have not known Him. I know Him. Verse 56, He says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see My day. My day refers to the period of the Messiah or the Messianic period. My day, the time of Jesus on earth. He rejoiced that he would see my day. How does this come about? Well, you go back into Genesis and read about 
Abraham and 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 and, and Isaac and and all and and read about the promise that was made to Abraham if he would move from Ur to to Palestine. And think about this: the city of Ur was a, a metropolis. It was a well-designed city. It was full of wealth. It even had uh, some running, you know, not everywhere, but it even had running water for those who could afford it and, 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 and in the luxury part of town, so to speak. It was an amazing city. They had uh, uh, urns that they've uncovered in that area that have copper cores to it, which means they had electricity. And somebody says, oh, no, that can't be. Well, it had to be because they also had jewelry that's found that uh, where the gold and the and the metals were together, and it takes electricity to do that. And so it was a very advanced, very wealthy city. That's where Abraham came from. And what did he do? He moved to Palestine to do what? Live in tents. And so, you know. We have this, this amazing man, Abraham, following the Word of God. And, when he, and in the process, he was promised that through him, all the nations of the world, all the people of the world would be blessed. Now, maybe he didn't fully understand all of it, but he rejoiced in that, in the context that that had something to do with God's Messiah. And he rejoiced he, he, that he would see that day, uh, he and then it says Jesus says he saw it and he was glad. Does it doesn't mean that he saw it in the sense of of physically being there to see it, but he saw it in the sense of he looked ahead through what God was opening up to him, and he could see what God was going to bless the world through him in this context of the the Messiah. Uh, look at Hebrews if you. And this morning, Hebrews chapter, uh, uh, let's, do, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out, of, out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the the seashore. And all of these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. He saw ahead in the promises that God had made of what was to come. The Jews say to Jesus, 
you're not even 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? Now that makes absolutely no sense. Unless you realize that it was meant to make no sense. You're living now. Abraham lived 2,000 years ago. There's no way you could have seen him. Even if you were 50 years old, it wouldn't. And that was just a random number really in that sense. So Jesus says to the Jews, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. What he's referring to, and I've mentioned it already, Exodus chapter 3, verse 15. 14 and 15, actually. Let's turn back to Exodus chapter 3 just for a moment. We have Moses working for his father-in-law, keeping a flock, uh, keeping the flocks, uh, and, and, and actually a shepherd. And he says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that, it, that he turned aside to see, God called to him, out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Lord goes on to talk about you know he's going to go to the people and, and arrange for them to 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 be uh, delivered from Egypt and 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 verse thirteen it says then Moses said to God if I come to the people of Israel and say to them the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask what is his name what shall I say to them God said to Moses I am who I am and he said say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. The name of God, I am. Jesus is identifying himself with the Father in a sense of equality when he says, I am. I wrote for myself here on a side note, life did not begin when he was born. Pre-existent. Jesus existed beforehand. In fact, if we were to look at uh, Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 reads, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And by firstborn, it means the one who is entitled to the inheritance. It's a title not a designation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. Jesus made the statement, before Abraham was, I am. He is saying, I am God. I am equal with the Father. I am the Son. In fact, when He uses the terms and says, I am the Son of God, or the Son of my Father, He is calling Himself God. Before Abe was, I am. What was the response of the Jewish people at that point? Well, they wanted to stone Him. But it says Jesus hid Himself and went out of the temple. There's a lot of things that go on with even trying to interpret Jesus hid Himself. Some say He just disappeared. Uh, I think it's far more common than that for this particular situation at least. Do you realize that the time He's there is the the time of the feast and stuff? And, and, And there's literally hundreds of thousands of people that get around Jerusalem at this point in time. Uh, and, and so, there's a crowd. And he just simply disappears into the crowd. The reason why he had the confidence to be able to have this confrontation and not worry about the consequences of it was that he knew, and it's repeated over and over and over in the Gospel of John, he knew that his time was not yet. In other words, it wasn't time for his sacrifice. It wasn't time for his crucifixion. His death, his burial, his resurrection. I find this is as I just looked at this one I am, and and you look at all of them together and you realize that Jesus is just clearly making the statement that he is. God. So when people tell you, and I've had it said to me, oh, you know, there isn't anywhere where Jesus says He is God. Then they don't understand what they're reading. Just as many of the Jewish leaders didn't understand what was going on around them at the time. They have made their own preconceptions of what He is and how Jesus would be and should be, and they're ignoring what the Word of God actually says. Jesus Himself said, I am. And that meant that He was identifying Himself with God. What we celebrate at communion is the reality that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He poured Himself out. He emptied Himself, Philippians chapter 2 tells us. Became a man Not only a man, but a man even to the point of death on the cross. A servant to men, even to the point of death on the cross. We have a a song that, that we sing this morning for communion to prepare our hearts. It's, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And, uh, And in the framework it says that I want to see you. Is that the one we're singing for communion? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, didn't, uh, like we'd already sung it, you know. Uh, I want to see you. And the, the, literally, the idea of I want to see you here is I want 
to know you. I want to see you in a way that I know who you are. And so it ties in with what we are sharing this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Let's uh, go ahead and and sing that together. And uh, communion is, we have uh, in the little cups uh, that are individual served. And if you didn't get one coming in, there's some on the table out there in the foyer. Feel free to, while we're singing, to go out and get one. And uh, we'll share in just a moment. Peter makes a uh, recollection and reference to, to Christ that I would like to share with you this morning. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2. starts with verse 22. It says, He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. And when He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Just a special Scripture that that really touched my heart uh, this week I wanted to share with you. 
uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with the 23rd verse, we read uh, what, what uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians in reference to communion. For I received from the Lord that I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us share the bread. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Let us share. Father, we thank You for these emblems that remind us of what You have done. And we rest with the confidence that You having done this on our behalf as we put our faith in You, more than just believe, it says to abide in You, to trust in You, to become, as it was put in that one picture, You are the, the, the vine, we are the branches, and, and are part of who You are. Cause that to be at heart and, and the way we live our lives. And Lord, we thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. We thank You for the opportunity to be together to worship this morning. We ask that as we go, You would go with us. Cause us to be the, the, the people You need us to be in whatever situation is ahead of us that we might glorify You in all ways. We worship You. We praise You. We ask that You go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close, please? Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word, Loving shepherd, vine of the branches, son of God, prince of peace, wonderful counselor, Lord of the universe, light of the world, praise him, Lord of Master and 